of the Spirit, part three. We are still talking about the very first fruit. Don't worry, we probably won't take much time on the other fruit. As much as we're taking on love because love is the foundation. Love is the foundation on which every other thing in the kingdom rests. Jesus said even the law and the prophets hang on the law of love. James describes it in chapter 2 as the royal law of the kingdom. The law of love. There are laws of the spirit. If you read Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there is the law of sin and death. But if you are in Christ, you have been made free from that law. But there is another law that operates in the kingdom wherein you have been baptized. It is called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Part of that law is the law of faith. Part of that law is the law of love. Amen? And your faith does not work without love. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 tells us, For in Christ, neither circumcision on circumcision availeth much, but faith, the law of faith right there, faith which worketh by love. Just like your car worketh by gasoline, by petrol. If it's not Tesla, praise God, amen? <laughs> it works by petrol. It works by gas. Your faith also works by love. So without love, faith does not produce. That mean, that, that's what we mean by it doesn't work. Do you have faith? Yes, I do. But is your faith producing the kind of results that you want? Not many Christians can answer yes to that. And many, many times they're fighting, they're busy fighting devils and demons and all the witches from their family. Whereas the challenge is that they're not walking in love. I know I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but man, I will never forgive that lady, all right? You're stepping out of love. Because an integral part of love is forgiveness. When, in fact, there is hardly a place in the Bible where you see Jesus talk about, or the Bible talk about faith, and if you search somewhere around where you won't find love. In Mark 11, where Jesus taught the classical teaching on faith, Mark 11, 22, Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. And in verse 23, he says, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He was talking about faith and confession. In verse 24, he talked about prayer. He said, And whatsoever you desire, when you pray, now you take your faith into the prayer realm and you pray what you believe. You pray the word of God. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you may or may not have them. No, and you shall have them. Faith works and it works every time. Can I have an amen to that? But there is a way it works. And you'll find that in verse 25. Verse 25 says, and when you stand praying, what did he say to do? Come and talk to me, church. Forgive. Oh, no, Lord, I wish you could take that out of, out of the Bible. Too late. When you stand praying... Forgive. If you have ought against any. When you stand praying. When you stand praying. May I ask you. How often do you stand praying? Come and talk to me church. How often do you pray? You pray. Every day. You pray always. So how often are you supposed to forgive? <laughs> you see the missing link? Oh no. She really hurt me. Hurt me real bad. I'm going to get even. I'm going to pay her back in a coin. That's why your faith is not working. It's not that you don't have faith. You do. In fact, it was an act of your faith when you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You heard the word. You believed with your heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So do you have faith? You do. And Christ has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So you have faith. But why is my faith not producing results? Love. When love is missing, it's like you have removed the wheels of your car. Let's even say you have gas, but you remove the wheels. How do you drive? Like they say, a bad attitude is like having a flat tire. Until you change it, you're not going anywhere. But there are some crazy drivers who will drive on flat. They don't care. They ruin the whole thing. <laughs> Until it catches fire. Maybe they're on drugs or something like that. Your vehicle of faith will not move anywhere if there is no love working and operating in you. Now, somebody says, okay, how do I get this love? You have love already. And that's what I'm teaching tonight. You have love. Somebody say, I have love. Say, the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Now, the day you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Ghost came into you that day. Oh, Pastor, I didn't shake. I didn't fall down. How would I know that the Holy Ghost came? He came. He came into your spirit, man. He came to take up residence in your spirit. It's a divine mystery how he does it. So don't question God about that. <laughs> Amen. If I put some water in a bottle and I add water to it, can you differentiate between the water that was in it and the one I've added to it if it's not dirty? You can't differentiate. You just know that I added water to water. That's all. The spirit of God takes up residence in your spirit. Amen. And it's there. And it's there right now. Is the, is the inward man of the heart. That's how Peter described him. Paul described him as the inner man. That's what he said in Ephesians 3 and from verse 14. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That it will grant you to be strengthened by his spirit, by, with might, by his spirit. Strengthened with might, by his spirit in the inner man. His spirit is in your inner man. His spirit dwells in your spirit. In your born again spirit. That's why an unbeliever cannot have the Holy Spirit. Because their inner man is not conditioned to accommodate the spirit of God. But the day you opened your mouth and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Boom. The door of your heart, the door of your spirit man opened up and the Holy Ghost came in. And when he came in, he didn't come empty-handed. He came with all the fruit, nine of them, and dumped them in your heart. Glory be to God. So potentially, you have the fruit of the spirit, one fruit, nine expressions or nine forms. They are all in your spirit right now. They are locked up there. They need to be cultivated. Amen. That's what Paul said in Galatians 5.22. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, can we look at it quickly? And let's look at it in the Amplified Classic. This is a form of recap, and then I'm going to move forward very quickly tonight. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes. Now, you have His presence within. So, you're not praying, Lord, give me your presence. Lord, I need your presence. I need your presence in my life. He's already present in your life. What you need to do is to acknowledge His presence. Oh, Lord, let Pastor Fred come to this Bible study. Lord, bring him. He's on the pulpit already. Just acknowledge he's the one speaking to you right now. That's all. Stop praying, Lord, I need your presence in my life. If you're born again, you have his presence in your life. Doesn't matter whether you feel some goose pimples or not. You know, there are times we worship and then you feel, you feel the presence. There are times you don't feel the presence. That doesn't mean that the presence is not there. It doesn't depend on your feeling. Amen? And that's why when somebody comes to you for prayer, pray for them immediately. Don't wait until next Wednesday when you would have fasted. Uh, every Wednesday, I'm always in the spirit. Uh, I'm in the right frame of mind spiritually to handle any devil. So I can't pray for you now. Let me pray for you next Wednesday. No, you are putting the result on your effort. If it is going to depend on him and he's going to get the glory, you are good enough to pray right now. Because he's in you right now. He's not going to be in you in a greater measure next Wednesday when you fast than he already is in you right now. Amen? Amen? So pray right now. Release your faith. 
right now in the name of Jesus. You have the presence right now. You have the fruit of the Spirit right now. You have love right now. So, it says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, it describes this fruit as some work. Some work accomplished, not by our efforts, but by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. In other words, these fruits are meant to change us. These fruits are meant for us. The gifts are meant for others. The fruits are meant for us to change. To change us. The natural man is selfish. The natural man does not love anybody. Loves himself. That's why they go to the highest office, highest political office in the state or at the federal level and they steal what their great-great-grand-grandchildren will never spend. But they think they are saving up for their great-great-grand-grandchildren so that they will never go broke. The natural man. Very selfish. There are projects that should have been accomplished in this country, in the health sector, in the education sector. I mean, isn't it amazing that Nigeria is the sixth largest oil-producing country in the world? I mean, in the world, not in Africa. Yet, there is poverty on every street in Nigeria. Poverty. Abject pauperism. Why? Because you have the natural men in charge of all our affairs. And they cannot love. Because you can't give what you don't have. They don't have it. The God kind of love. We're going to look at the characteristics tonight. One of them is that it is not self-seeking. It is not selfish. The God kind of love looks for the good of others. Now look at your life and say, am I self-seeking? Am I a very selfish person? Very egocentric? Very self-centered? Do I always seek my own benefit? I want things to be done for myself. Now, if you're like that, and then you're now given an opportunity to be in a political office, what do you think you will do? You will do what the politicians, Nigerian politicians do. And what do they do? Amass wealth, steal all they can, can all they steal and sit on the can? That's why when the governor of Central Bank said they should return money. I mean, you guys saw kind of videos. Money got spoiled. I mean, people built houses and kept money there and turned on. They were running generator 24-7 and turning on AC to blow on the money. And don't tell me that there are no people in their families that are poor. Madness. Madness. Because the Holy Spirit is not in them. In fact, Jesus said, who, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, the spirit of truth, whom the world does not know and cannot. They can't know him. They can't have him. Because they are not conditioned to. So the very first thing he accomplishes in our hearts is love. If you are not loving other people, we should put a question mark behind your salvation. Are you really saved? Do you really have the Holy Spirit? Because if you do have the Holy Spirit, His presence within should accomplish this work in your heart. You should begin to think, when I come to church, think about other people, this action I'm about to take. How will it impact on other people? You know Nigerians, somebody will go to a, a, a neighborhood, a community, and steal something very precious from the transformer that is supplying electricity to the whole community. Because if he sells that thing, he could sell it for 250000 or he could sell it for 500000 or he could sell it for a millionaire. And the moment he removes that component, then the whole neighborhood is thrown into darkness. Are you with me? Now, he doesn't think about other people. He's thinking about how to enrich himself. And so he doesn't care a hoot. Whether there is somebody in that neighborhood who is probably living on a life support machine who needs to be plugged in and connected to power just to survive. He goes there in the midnight, he steals what he wants to steal, buys a Mercedes-Benz or whatever he, he can buy, and then is living large. Selfishness is one of the things killing Nigeria. Greed. May we get it right. And that's why 
Look, don't be discouraged with what has happened at the polls. Keep praying. Because someday, we will get it right. Amen? If this generation I'm talking to would really embrace the Lord and embrace the fruit of the Spirit and you are better for it, and God now positions you to be in authority, then the country will be better. Because when the righteous reign, the people rejoice. Not people who are just power drunk. They just want you to honor them, respect them, prostrate on the floor when they're coming. What is that? If you go to bed tonight, who, are, who assures you you wake up tomorrow morning? Oh, your His Excellency, His Excellency. You are, the moment your last breath leaves, you are done for. There's no excellency in the grave. In fact, there is a governor in this country who says, don't address me as His Excellency. If you address him as His Excellency, he will fight you. I know him. He's the serving governor. I know him. We've met a, a number of times. He said, the most excellency is Jesus. Reserve that for him. Love. Love is the foundation. The work that the presence of the Holy Ghost on the inside of us accomplishes. Number one, primarily, is love. In fact, every other thing depends on that. It's the foundation. You just discover that all of a sudden you are able to love people. You used to be very selfish, but now, somehow, you are able to tolerate other people. Certain things you would never tolerate before. Now, people say those things to you or do those things and then you just wink. You smile and walk away. It means you're changing. It means you're growing. Are you with me tonight? It means the Holy Ghost is working in you. Are you with me tonight? But if you exchange railing for railing, accusation for accusation, abuse for abuse, derogatory remark for derogatory remark, then we need to check. How different are you from the unbeliever? Because even the world expects a difference. They, and you call yourself a pastor. They say you are mad. They say you are madder. <laughs> it's not that you can't talk. But the love of God constrains you. There are certain people that think that you are stupid and they try to take advantage of you and you walk away, not because you can't deal with them, but the love of God constrains you. I went to fix my car some time ago and... It wasn't meant to cost more than 30000 The guy charged me 65000 Now, I didn't care if he had done a good job. He even did a bad job on top of that. The car was consuming fuel. The consumption grew worse after he worked on it. So I took it back and we discovered that it was all a lie. I mean, I, I felt like, and he has a very small body. I felt like carrying him and throwing him. <laughs> You know, and I mean, I, 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 do I arrest this guy? Do I, I wanted to get my money back. I wanted to. But we have a branch of our church near that mechanic village. I said, don't let me spoil the name of this church. <laughs> because this guy someday will find out I'm a pastor in this church. He's going to say, oh, pastor. Well, I just, ex I just, you know, expressed my disappointment and all of that. And then I left him. And paid another person to do the job. I had to pay someone else. Now, I'm not saying I get it right every time. I'm also work in progress. Glory be to God. So, if you foul it up sometimes, get up, repent, and move on. Amen? Now, don't stay in condemnation. Jesus doesn't condemn us. Oh, no, pastor, I saw that in the Bible. Who is it that condemned it? Is it not Christ? Okay, let's go to that scripture. <laughs> I'm still talking about love, so we're still on course. Go to Romans chapter 8, and I think that's verse 34 or so. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. Uh -huh. Now, if you read that in the KJV, you won't understand it much. You would think it's Christ that condemns. In the KJV, it says, who is he that condemneth? And then he stopped there. Then he said, it is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also make an intercession for us? This sounds like it's Christ that condemns. Christ does not condemn. Can I have an amen? Before you, okay, so let's read it in another translation. Then I'll show you a scripture. Um, let's go to Amplified Classic, please. Quickly, quickly, quickly. I want to get my job done tonight. Come on now. AMP is okay, thank you. Who is there to condemn us? Question mark. Will Christ Jesus the Messiah who died, or rather, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading 
as he intercedes for us. How can Christ be interceding for us and be condemning us at the same time? Do you understand that now? His ministry right now is that of intercession. He's interceding for us. At the right hand of the Father. Jesus is praying for you because love intercedes. That's why people that get involved in intercessory prayer are in the ministry of Jesus. They are the people who love. Intercessory prayer means I'm leaving all my needs and wants and desires behind. I'm praying for other people. I'm lifting the church. I'm lifting the brethren and I'm praying for them. I'm spending time. Hey, you're fulfilling the ministry of Jesus. And that's what love does. The easiest kind of prayer is to pray for your needs. And that's what many people engage in. Lord, bless, bless my bread, bless my water, bless my business, bless my dog, bless my house, bless me, bless me, bless me. Bread and butter kind of prayer. It won't get you anywhere. The Lord turned around the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. You'll find that in Job 42 and verse 10. It was when Job prayed for his friends. It was, he was in his condition, really bad condition. He didn't pray. He had complained and complained. When he stopped that and changed his focus and prayed for his friends, then the Lord turned the captivity of Job, restored his fortunes when he prayed for his friends. There are many blessings God will bring into your life if you engage in intercessory prayer. That's the ministry of Jesus right now. Hebrews 7.25, I believe. Can you give me that quickly? Hebrews 7.25. And I'm coming back to the point that Christ does not condemn. Therefore, he is able also to save to the uttermost completely perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him. Since he's always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. This is the ministry of Jesus. He is forever interceding for us. Right now, he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father praying for you that you will not fail. Jesus is praying for you. If you got nobody praying for you, I can assure you, Jesus is praying for you. When you join him in his ministry to pray for others, he looks at you and says, come on boy, I love what you're doing. And guess what? Blessings will roll into your life as well. Don't be consumed with your lust. Many times we are selfish as Christians, even in the place of prayer. We are not showing forth the fruit of the spirit, which is love. Love prays for other people. I'm showing that to you tonight. Those of you who don't join the MixLR prayer every Tuesday and every Thursday, you are selfish, you are not growing, you are not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, you need to repent tonight and say, Pastor, I, I repent and I'm going to join the team and pray. Pray for others. Love does that. And you allow God to take care of what you cannot take care of, your own business. You take care of the business of God and let him take care of your business. And you can't take care of your business the way God will take care of your business. I, I believe you agree with me tonight. Anybody here richer than God? Anybody wiser than God? Anybody more connected than God here? Raise your hand, please. You are more connected than God. You have more power than God. You are more intelligent than God. Jesus is not in the ministry of condemnation. He's in the ministry of reconciliation. Give me um, John 3.16 is what we know. Go to verse 17. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Go to verse 17 now. Verse 17. It says, For God did not send the, his son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. So Jesus is not, he can't be saving and be condemning at the same time. Are you with me tonight? Come on, church. Are you with me tonight? Jesus doesn't have a ministry of confusion that will save you one day, condemn you the next day. No. If you make a mistake, if you sin, repent. That's all. First John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive you. Now, don't dwell on that. Don't make that a lifestyle. But I can tell you that Jesus is not condemning you. He's praying for you. And that's what love does. Love is so strong. Love is so powerful. That even in your failings, in your struggles, he doesn't abandon you. God doesn't have abandoned projects. That's why the Bible says God is love. He doesn't abandon you. Do you know Peter? Peter, who became the chief of the apostles, had struggles in his life. And in spite of all his struggles, love never gave up on him. I'm going to show you Luke 22. 
Oh, I wrote this down. Glory be to God. You know love never fails? We have that in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8. Love never fails. Even when Peter was going to fail on different occasions, love never abandoned him in his struggle. God doesn't have abandoned projects. Believe him. Believe his love. Now, the earlier we start to believe the love of God, the better for us. Because the days will come when you'll be so tried and tested and you'll you be tempted to think that God doesn't love you. Or God is not interested in your life anymore. You'll be tempted to think that way because Satan will sell that idea to you. If God loves you, why would your dad die at the time that he died? If God so really loves you, like he cares about you, why would you lose that admission? If God so loves you, why would you? Why this? Why that? He will bring up scenarios in your life. And maybe that's your reality at the moment. But all of those experiences are nothing compared to the depth of the love of God for you. Are you with me tonight? So deep is the love of God that Paul the Apostle cried, Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Will it be distress or tribulation? What is it? Is it pressure? Nothing must separate us from the love of God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Let me show you one of Peter's struggles from verse 23 to 32. Can I have KJV very quickly? I'm going to read very quickly. Thank you. Matthew 14, 23 to 32. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the even was calm, he was there alone. Yeah. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Yes. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. You know the story. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. It's I, be not afraid. Right? Next verse. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Yeah. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now, nobody begins to sink. You just sink. Have you ever tried to walk on a swimming pool? Try and walk. The next time you see a swimming pool, try and walk on the water. And see whether you begin to sink. Now, you just go down. But his faith was still in operation. So, he was beginning to sink. And maybe some of us are in that condition tonight. But do what Peter did. You know what Peter said? What Peter did? He cried out. Lord, save me. Nobody says, Lord, save me, that God will turn his back on. He will come to you. Amen? He came to Peter. Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said unto him, O thou of, O you of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why did you doubt? Next verse. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Now, they walked back to the ship together. Peter had another opportunity to walk on water, this time on the faith of Jesus. Amen? Now, he had a struggle there. He began to sink. Look at your life. Is there any area where you are beginning to sink? Whether your spiritual walk with God, you are really not feeling that intimacy anymore. You're not reading your Bible like you used to. You're not praying like you used to. You're not winning souls like you used to. You're not on fire like you used to. It looks like you're beginning to sink. Or maybe there's a trouble in your academics. Or maybe your business. Things are not flowing like they used to flow. And you have a lot of bills. You have a lot of stuff to settle. Or maybe your health is beginning to fail. Now, that's beginning to sink. You still have an opportunity. That's why believers don't just crash. They are believers. Your faith is still in operation. It's just that now it is weak. Weak faith does not help you much. But at least it helps you to stay afloat a little bit. Beginning to sink. Now, when he cried out to love, Jesus is the person of love. Love came to him and rescued him. If he came to Peter and helped him, he would come to you. One person came to church tonight. I said, if he came to Peter, to rescue him, he will come to you to rescue you. He never abandoned him. Imagine if Jesus had said, well,
good for you. Loud mouth. If it be thee, bid me come. And I said, come. Now look at you. Your faith has failed. Sorry. Let's go on, guys. That would have been the end of Brother Peter. And Andrew, his brother, would have shouted, Ah! Why would you leave my brother? Jesus never abandons anybody. Amen? The church may give up on you. Your parents may give up on you. The society may give up on you. But love does not give up on you. Jesus is love. Amen? Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? No matter what you go through in life, friends may abandon you. They may turn their back on you. You can be sure you have an intercessor who is not condemning you, who is praying for you and is not giving up on you. Even in that situation, he is not giving up on you. So we should have hope and rejoice. We rejoice in tribulation. Why? Because we know there is someone praying for us who is not giving up on us. That's why the Christian walk is different from every other kind of thing. It's not a religion. It's a lifestyle. They're wondering, are you, are you okay, this guy? Why are you smiling? With all that is going on around you that we know, even we, your friends, we know. You're a strong man. A man you be. He said, no, I'm not strong. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you are still able to smile. <laughs> so, you want to tell me this is what is going on? This is what has been going on in your life for the last three months? You say, yeah. But I'm coming out. How? No, no, no. I don't, I don't understand. How are you going to come out? In fact, I'm out already. Praise God. Amen. You still wear a smile. There are times you feel like you're carrying the, the burden of the whole world on your shoulders. I mean, I've been there. I know it. When it looks like, well, oh, your faith, faith, faith. See where you found yourself now? You are in real trouble. You are in soup. I'm not in soup. I am not in trouble. I'm in Christ. <laughs> Amen. And Satan sometimes tells you that he's got you. I've got you now. I've got you. Yeah, I've got you. No, Satan, you ain't got me. I'm not in your hands. I'm in the hands of Jesus. Amen. Come on, shout amen. amen. You are not in the hands of the enemy. Don't put yourself in his hands. His hands are cruel. His hands are wicked. His hands are cold. Keep yourself in the hands of Jesus. He's got me. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got a whole wide world. And so he's got me. Jesus has got me. My life is hidden in Christ in God. Jesus has got me. He's got my back. There's the story of the seed and the dirt that covered it. You know when you plant a seed in the soil. The seed was planted and it was covered with dirt. D-I-R-T. And the dirt that covered the seed said to the seed, Now I've got you covered now. You are buried now. I've, I've buried you. <laughs> I've, I've taken life out of you. You're not going to shine. The seed spoke back and said, no, you ain't got me covered. I will grow right through you because I have the life of God in me. Glory be to God. You have the life of God in you. No circumstance, no situation, no sickness, no disease, no opposition, no trouble is allowed or permitted to bury you. You are coming out and you are coming out more powerful. Can I have an amen? Can I have a better amen? You know why? Because love won't give up on you. Love will lift you. Love lifted Peter. Peter was sinking. Love lifted me. Oh, love lifted me when nothing else would do. You know, love lifted me. Love lifted Peter. Love will lift you. Those who are watching online or listening online, love will lift you. In the name of Jesus. Peter had another struggle. Satan desired to sift him like wheat. Luke 22. Let's look at that. I don't know what this Peter guy did to Satan. <laughs> Luke, Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. You know when God is really going to use you and he has an assignment for your life, get ready. You have an adversary who wants to stop you, who doesn't want that assignment to see the light of day. But he's a liar and a failure from the beginning. Amen? The Lord said, this is Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, because the Lord operates both in the realm of the spirit and in the physical. He could see into the realm of the spirit. He said, Satan has desired to have you. 
<laughs> what for? That it might sift you like wheat. Now, if you read this on the surface, you don't understand what that means. If you go to the Jewish people, how they sift wheat, it's not just throwing it in the air and allowing wind to blow against it. They first of all beat it because it has hard shells so that they can separate the shaft from the wheat. So they beat it. Like that was what um, Gideon was doing in the threshing floor when the angel appeared to him and called him a mighty man of valor. They called it threshing floor. That's where they beat the wheat. He said, Pete, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired of all the desires in this life. <laughs> Satan desired to have Peter. So I guess maybe he went to Jesus and said, I want to have that guy. <laughs> he said, Satan has desired to have you. What for? To shift you like wheat. Now, after beating it so hard, then they put it in, in something like a tree. Go to a mountain and they throw it up in the air. Throw it up in the air. So the, the wind blowing will blow away the, the shaft and then we separate the shaft from the wheat. That was what the psalmist picked up in Psalm 1 when he said the righteous, uh, uh, oh no, uh, from verse 1 now, say, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of the sinners, nor standing in the state of discomfort. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night, and it shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. Thank you. They are like the, they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The wind drives away the chaff or the chaff, whatever the pronunciation is, whether chaff or chaff. The, the, the wind drives that away because that is paperweight, lightweight. So as you throw it up in the air, the wind drives it away. The real wheat will fall back into the container. This is the difference between real believers and people who are just on the surface. Those who are on the surface who claim, yeah, I'm born again, but they don't have time for Bible study. They don't have time to personally study the Bible on their own. They don't have no time for fellowshipping with the Lord. The wind will blow all of us. The wind blows both the wheat and the chaff. But the light ones, the, the chaff, will be driven away. That's why some Christians compromise. When trouble really hits, they go to herbalists. Because they are not making sales anymore. They are running out of business. The devil tells them that they are running out of business and they want to remain in business and remain relevant. So they seek alternative routes to remain relevant. In every area of life, it's not just business. The wind has driven them away. In ministry, sir, there, there is a stage in ministry when it looks like your ministry is not growing. When it looks like nobody's going to come. I mean, you are doing praise worship and you are looking behind you as a pastor. How many people have shown up? Oh, God, today. Oh, Lord. It's the same five faces you are looking at. Five years, five faces. And you're doing everything. You're going out on evangelism. You're following up. You're praying. You're fasting. You have almost fasted your life out. Keep at it. Not many can keep at it. Because the church just came to town and in one year, they've recorded 1,000 members. Ah! How did they do it? Then somebody will tell them. There's one, somebody, somewhere. If you follow me, you won't kill anybody. He will just give you something to use. Just rub your tongue. Anoint your tongue and people will be coming. And then you find ministers who cannot stay go after such gods. Now, those are chaff driven away by the wind. The real wheat will fall back into its place. Are you with me tonight? So what kind of believer are you? Are you a chaff or are you a real deal? Are you the real McCoy? The real wheat? That come what may, the wind will blow against you the storm will blow against you, but you come back to your place in Christ. Amen? Simon, Simon, Satan, behold. Behold means look and consider. Look and consider. You're always talking, talking, talking. Look and consider. Satan has desired to have you that he might shift you as wheat. Shift you as wheat. But guess what? Love had prayed for him. Hallelujah. In verse 32, love said, but I have prayed for thee. What's my prayer point? What's the prayer topic? 
that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Amen? Amen? Did Satan sift Peter like a wheat? Yes, he did. He did on so many occasions. But Jesus had prayed for him. The same Jesus that prayed for Peter is praying for you. There's a song by Donald Lawrence and uh, featuring maybe Faith Evans or so that says, Jesus, pray for me. Say a prayer for me. You, that's, that's, you know it's all I need. Go before the Father and intercede for me. Uh, the enemy desires to sift me like wheat, but like you did for Peter, say a prayer for me. But I can tell you tonight, he's saying a prayer for you already. Amen? Come on now. Amen? And so you should worship him every day and thank him for praying for you. Because you know that if none else prays for you, love is praying for you. Amen? So even in our fiery trials, God's love never gives up on us. This same Peter, whose eyes saw Pepe, as I close tonight, let me show you what he wrote. Go to 1 Peter 1, 7. He spoke as a man with experience. <laughs> a man with experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. That's why some of you, you have been through certain things in your life. It is too late for anybody to come and convince you otherwise. Because you've been there, done that. Like Americans who say, I've been there, done that. You can't tell me nothing. You know what you've been through in life. You know how God has rescued you. You know what God delivered you from. Somebody is now coming to tell you, that thing is not real. How can it be real? Shut up! I've been there. Let's listen to the man who had encountered God and who had had an experience. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7. He said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Every man's faith will be tried with fire. Just like gold. Gold in its raw form is not beautiful. It's not attractive. It goes through fire to come out sparkling, to come out very expensive, to come out very attractive. Our faith is like that. You claim you have faith in God, get ready. Your faith will be tried someday. It is neither a blessing nor a curse. It will happen. That's, look, God does not use any material that he does not test. There is no manufacturer, no builder in the industry. There is, a, there is an industry called, or a profession called materials and uh, metallurgical science, something like that. In Ife, I don't know if UI has it, MM, MMS or something like that, metallurgical and material science, something like that. They are in charge of testing raw materials. You want to build this kind of building, for example, you know iron is needed. Now, you don't go to market and buy iron that is weak. There's a way it is tested to know that it has the capacity to hold the building. Otherwise, you build rubbish it collapses. The material to be used to be tested. Engineers, they are trained to test such materials. If ordinary men would test materials before they use them. I mean, you want to build a house and then you see concrete blocks. If you kick this concrete block, sand will just scatter all over the place. Will you buy that? You won't. You go for the real McCoy. If ordinary men like us will buy materials that are tested and proven. How much more God? He has an assignment for your life and you think you will not be tested? You will be. You will be. But the same one who allows it has also made a way of escape. First Corinthians 10, 13. For there had no temptation taken you, which is not such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation make the way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Can I have an amen? amen? The same God is also praying for you. Can you imagine that? So you are covered. No matter what you go through, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't commit suicide. Don't end your life. There is still another chapter that is coming. This one might look very gloomy and dark. The brighter one is coming. Can I have an amen? amen. Sunday is coming. Can I have an amen? amen? Christmas is coming. Can I have an amen? amen. Peter said, the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith. Let's look at what he wrote again. 
And this spoke to my heart. 1 Peter 4.12. Same Peter. If you look at verse 1 of 1 Peter, you see it was Peter that wrote it. It said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, and including Nigeria. Glory be to God. Now go to chapter 4 and verse 12. He said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, the kind of trial that has fire. You know, he also spoke about fire. The other one that we read now, 1 Peter 1 7. Fiery trial means the trial that has fire, <laughs> which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. I felt like this a few weeks ago. No strange thing has happened to me. Where is this one coming from? He said, don't think that something strange has happened to you. It is your faith that has been tried. And it's a fiery trial. Do you think it was funny for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace? Not only that, the king Nebuchadnezzar commanded that the thing be heated up seven times more. So much so that the soldiers that threw them in got consumed by the heat. They were melted into oblivion by the heat. You think it's that easy? To face the furnace and be smiling. <laughs> it's alright. It's alright. I will face it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not funny. They took a risk. But the God in whom they believed showed up for them. Before they landed, the fourth man was already there waiting for them. And when the fourth man gets into the fire, it turned the place into an event center full of air conditioners. Glory be to God. Only God delivers after such manner. Even Nebuchadnezzar said, there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. No other God. He served gods. Gods. He had his own gods that he was serving. He knew none of them could deliver. If they threw Nebuchadnezzar inside that furnace, it will, it will melt. It won't burn to ashes. It will melt. He knew. So is there any God that can do this? When you're going through stuff in your life, it is for the glory of God. Amen? Love will go through it with you and love will bring you out. Can I have an amen? And this is why also you should show love to others and be merciful. He that shows mercy, he that is merciful shall also obtain mercy. You are owing somebody one million. They have not killed you. Somebody is owing you 10,000. Say, whoa, ma, I will finish you. Show mercy. Show mercy. One more scripture that Peter wrote. First Peter 5.10. He said, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered, after, 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 not before, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen. Then the last one is what we like. Settle you. May God settle you in the name of Jesus. We like that settlement. Don't step out of the love zone. Any step out of the love zone is a step into fear, condemnation, worry, doubt, anxiety, and the rest of them. There is no fear in love. 1 John 4, 18 tells us that. Perfect love casts out fear. At the new birth, the Holy Spirit has deposited the fruit of the Spirit into our heart. We need to cultivate them. We do so by taking time to fellowship with Jesus in the Word and in prayer on a daily basis. Right, for your reference, John 15, 5 to 12. Say, without me, you can do nothing. But as you fellowship with him, you bear fruit. You bear fruit. You have the fruit in your spirit, then to begin to produce results. And closing tonight, in closing, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 13, we'll run through very quickly. And you will see that the natural man does not exhibit the fruit of the spirit because he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. You can't have the fruit without him. Amen? You can't have the fruit of the Spirit without the Holy Spirit himself. He's the owner of the fruit. <laughs> so there's no way. Name the fruit. No. You have to receive the Spirit first. 
And how do you receive the Spirit? Surrender your heart to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going to teach this. We just run through the attributes of the God kind of love that is deposited on the inside of us. Though I, from verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, King James says charity, and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a thinking cymbal. He said even though I have the gift, look at this, the gift of prophecy, verse 2. We talk about the gift so much, <laughs> but without love, nothing. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, this is, this is what they call philanthropism. If there is no love there, it says profits mean nothing. You can be a philanthropist, doesn't mean you love people. People do things for different motives. It can be for political reasons. You want to contest in the next four years as governor. So now you start, you start your philanthropy. Nonsense. Nothing. And though, okay, verse 4 now, love suffers long. And I want you to meditate on this when you get home tonight. How long do you suffer when people do you wrong? And it's kind. Love suffers long and is kind. Some Christians are not kind. They are just not kind. And those are the people that debar other people from being Christians. They say, if this one is a born again Christian. I will never give my life to that Christ. Because some of us are just not kind. Not in this church out there. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. There's no reason to envy anybody. The same God that has blessed and prospered them will also bless you. Amen? Love does not vaunt itself. And it's not puffed up. It's not proud. It doesn't put itself in the face of everybody. Does not behave itself unseemly. Is not rude. Does not seek our own. Is not easily provoked. Does not think evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. Iniquity is iniquity. It is wrong. If something is wrong, listen, it is wrong, but it feels right. It is still wrong. Amen? Amen. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Doesn't rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Love never fails. That's why God didn't fail Peter. Jesus didn't fail him. And he will never fail you. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. And now abided faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Stand on your feet tonight.